Well, hello, Christ Chapel, and Merry Christmas. Thank you. It's wonderful that you've joined us uh, for worship during this Christmas season. Hello to all of you. Join us at one of our other campuses, including our internet campus. I wanted you to know, if you're worshiping with us on our internet campus, I want you to know you might be there because uh, of safety reasons and totally you do whatever you feel most comfortable with. But I wanted to let you know that we've uh, kind of spread out the seating at all of our venues. So uh, we thought that that was a necessary precaution to take. And so we've done that at all of our worship venues. So we'd love for you to join us uh, if you feel comfortable. But uh, we're here to worship. And one of the ways that we worship is by taking up an offering. So we're going to do that now. I know many of you give online. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving. Jen and I give online. Uh, if you'd like to uh, give a physical offering at any campus, you can just drop that in one of the receptacles outside the worship service whenever we're finished. Uh, but you can also text in and it'll send you a link and it's very easy to give. Jen and I have given that way before uh, as well. So very, very simple. Uh, but speaking of giving, I wanted to mention the end of year giving as well. Remember, we have a family-focused vision this year and one of those initiatives is to extend uh, the, the, the Christ Chapel family, extend the family of faith. And so one of those initiatives specifically is the South Campus. God has been doing a wonderful work at the South Campus. They're all cheering right now. And uh, it's, we love you down at the South Campus. God is doing a wonderful work in Johnson County. Uh, you may not know this, but right now they are meeting in basically a, a renovated office space. And we can only hold about 60, 65 folks in there at a time, which is why we're having to have so many services. And so that's why we've wanted to build a permanent home for the South Campus. And your giving, especially through the beginning of the COVID times, uh, was unbelievable. So much so that I told you we are going to be able to uh, begin that project and finish a substantial portion of it, get the building up. And what we want you to do is play a role in furnishing uh, the, the South Campus. And so a part of your end of year giving is going to go toward that. But I wanted to show you last weekend, the elders went out for kind of a, a ceremonial groundbreaking, which I thought was encouraging to me. And so we made a video for you. The easiest way to explain a family is to say it's a group of people related by genes and blood. But all of us have experienced a sense of family with people we aren't related to by genes or blood. So maybe a truer answer is that a family is a group that is loyal to each other through thick and thin. They show up for one another on the good and bad days. They want the best for us and hold us accountable to being our best. It's a group bonded by life lived together, made stronger through shared belief, faith, hope, and love. So if family bonds can go beyond blood, it has to be asked, can we build a stronger family together? We think we can. By seeking Jesus together, laughing together, working hard together, praying together, giving thanks together, and of course, breaking bread together. So join us at the table as we build stronger families together. So those are the elders circled around the, the rough 
family. Uh, the Ruffs have been a part of the South Campus uh, since the very beginning. So we would love for you uh, to play a part. I've asked you to take that end of year envelope and just put it in a prominent place and just pray and ask God, how would you like me to participate? My goal, my prayer, my hope is that everyone would just participate. Everyone would play a part. Uh, you will be so glad that you did when you know that you were a part of what God is doing there. So uh, please consider giving. If you need an envelope, those are out at all of the kiosks outside of your venue. Uh, we need you to participate, not only for the furnishings, but actually just this past week, uh, we found out uh, from the city of Burleson that there's going to be extra site work that was unplanned that's needed uh, to develop that land. Uh, we weren't expecting that, uh, and it's appropriate site work, but it's going to increase the cost significantly and immediately. And so we need you to play a part because we need to build that uh, so that that South Campus family can begin to grow and, and build a stronger family. I would also ask that you not only give, but you also pray. Uh, tomorrow, that is going to go to the city council, and they're going to vote to approve, to, to give that final approval of the entire master plan. So actually, what I'd like to do right now is just stop and pray, if that's okay, and uh, we'll pray for the offering. God, uh, thank you for all those folks who have given of their tithes and offerings. Lord God, I know so many of the Christ Chapel family give sacrificially, and Lord, that just represents the way that you sacrificially gave of your son to us, but Lord, would you bless them who have given. And Lord, we ask that you would bless that offering. Lord, would you bless what is going on at the South Campus? We don't want to extend our name, we want to extend your name. You are doing a great and mighty work in Johnson County, and we just wanna see that continue. So Lord God, we pray that that vote would go well tomorrow, that you'd give us favor in the eyes of the city, and that would go through without a hiccup. And Lord God, that you would provide everything that, that we need to build that building and to continue the ministry, to build a stronger family. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well thank you for praying. Would you turn and open your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we're gonna be in verses 44 to 50 today as we continue our series, Why on Earth? And while you turn there, I'll ask you, if I was to ask you if you've been sad lately, I think everybody would probably raise their hand. Uh, we've all experienced bouts of sadness and that is totally explainable by everything that is going on circumstantially in the world, whether you've been uh, laid off, whether you've uh, experienced uh, loneliness as you've been isolated from uh, different family members or friends or, or what, whether you've had somebody uh, pass away because of the COVID virus, we've all experienced some sadness, but uh, some of you have experienced sadness just because of the time of year. Have you heard of what SAD means? SAD is an acronym, it's a medical acronym, I didn't just make it up, but it means seasonal affective disorder. Means that at the time, during the season, whenever the days get shorter and the darkness grows greater, that people become sad. When, when they are stuck indoors, they are experiencing less natural sunlight, it affects their mood. Uh, they experience sometimes significant bouts with depression. Uh, it makes them feel lonely, makes them feel isolated. They have less energy. They, they just don't have the kind of pep in their step that they usually do. Some people call it the holiday blues, and those are certainly uh, relevant to us today. 
But this seasonal affective disorder essentially happens because there's no light. People don't have light. And in fact, many medical professionals ask or recommend that people who are experiencing SAD, seasonal affective disorder, that they would experience some light therapy. And so they actually sit in front of a light that uh, emits this special kind of light for 30 to 45 minutes. And that just helps them. It increases the serotonin in their body. Uh, their biological chemicals, it, it, it regulates the melatonin so that they're not sleeping too much, etc. And that light therapy helps them. You see, light is good for us as human beings. We need light. That's why people that experience seasonal affective disorder oftentimes live in places that they don't have a whole lot of natural light, where the days are super, super long. And thank God we live in Texas for many, many reasons. But we need light. We know that from a medical perspective, from a physical perspective. Light just puts us in a better mood when we can walk outside. In fact, I was, I was working on my sermon <laughs> this week and I was indoors for a long time working on the sermon and I'm like, light is good for us, light is good. I'm like, I need to get out and go for a walk. And so I literally just walked the block and then got back in and got back to work. But it, it just helped my mood. It helped clear my head. Light is good for us physically and we all know that. But light is also good for us spiritually. We have to bask in the light of Christ. It helps our mood. It helps our mindset. It helps our well-being. It helps our connectedness to one another. And so I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know if you find yourself in a place of, of deep darkness or sadness, but God is light, and we cannot live without light, and that's why God entered our world, and he wants to enter your world today. And that's what we're gonna talk about from John chapter 12. We're gonna talk about why Jesus came as a light. But I wanna give you kind of some context before we jump into John chapter 12 to give you some context of what John is doing as he talks about the light. Because if you look back at the very beginning of John, and Ted actually mentioned this in his sermon a little bit earlier in this series, he talks about how Jesus is the light. If you look back at John chapter one, and you don't need to do that, John chapter one, verse four, he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men talking about Jesus. And then it talks about John the Baptist and says that John the Baptist came to bear witness to the light. He came to tell everybody, hey, the light of the world has come. And in John chapter one, verse nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John sets up that Jesus is this light figure and in fact, in John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus declares that himself as I am the light of the world. So as we get to John chapter 12, you know, what has happened in between? Because Jesus gives us, John gives us these bookends of the light. We start off knowing that the light of the world has come. And then in chapter two, all the way to chapter 12, Jesus is warming up the world, just like light does. And he's sharing that warmth and, and compassion with the world and healing this world with, with, with his light. 
And then we get to John chapter 12, and John chapter 12 begins, and it's the triumphal entry into the city where Jesus comes to announce himself as king, and nobody wants him. Nobody wants the light of the world. They would rather remain in darkness. We, we like darkness as human beings because we feel like the dark things that we do, think, say, are all hidden. And we don't want the light to expose us in any way. And guess what? 2,000 years, they were no different. And so they're like, we don't want that light. And so Jesus, in John chapter 12, we're gonna begin in verse 44, gives his final plea. This is his final public address before in John chapter 13, he goes into closed quarters with his disciples into the upper room right before he goes to the crucifixion. So this is his last thing. These are the bookends of light that John gives us of Jesus' announcement of who he is to the public. So I wanna read verses 44 to 50 with you, so just follow along. And Jesus cried out. Don't miss that. He, he wants everybody to hear this because this is his final address. This is his final plea. This is his summary statement of his public ministry. Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. You see, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me does not receive my words, uh, does not receive my words, has a judge. And the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say? and what to speak, in verse 50, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me, and may God bless the reading of his word. So what I wanna do in this summary statement that Jesus makes as the light who's come into the darkness is, I wanna tell you why he came as light, what he was trying to shine the light on. Three very simple things with three very simple applications. So first, Jesus came to shine the light on God's character into a dark world. Our, our world was, was dark dark and, and, and sinful. And Jesus came to shine the light on God's character into that dark world. We know we live in a dark world. We know that there are things that go on in, in darkness that are reprehensible, that, that we don't even want to, to think about, that would make us cry if we saw or heard. And Jesus came to enter into that dark world to reveal the nature and character of God. And what I love about this is this is consistent with who God is. And what I mean by that is if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter one, at the very beginning, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But it was dark and it was formless and it was void. And it said that there was chaos that something had happened in the heavenly realms, Cody's opinion, that was when Satan fell. And there's this chaotic thing going on here in, in these dark realms. And God comes in and what's the first thing that he says? Let there be 
Good, you're getting me. Let there be light. Light is the first thing that enters into this dark, chaotic creation of his. Light comes into the world. And here's what's interesting. The sun and the moon don't come till day four. So what was light? God is light. And we'll talk about that in 1 John uh, chapter uh, one later on in the sermon. But God is light. What does that tell you? That in the midst of this, this dark and chaotic time, God came into the world. You see, who he was then is no different than who he is now, which is why Jesus says, if you've seen, him, if you've seen me, you see him. That's what he says in, in verses 44 and 45. He said, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. See, the first and the second person of the Trinity are inseparable. They are distinct, but they are inseparable. They have the, the very same nature and character. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. God steps in and brings light to this dark world to bring order out of chaos, not only into our world, but into your life because he's created your life for a purpose. And here's why that's very important for this because we all know that God is invisible. You may have gotten asked that question by, by your kids, you know, where they stump you on these, you know, questions that you just don't know exactly how to answer, but God is invisible. And that's why he sent Jesus, so we can see God. We can see who he is. And the reason why that's important is because those whom you do not see, you often distrust. If, if there's somebody that you, you, you can't see, you, you don't trust them. You, you don't know about it. That's why our world these days, they, they are crying out for transparency. We wanna know the process. We wanna know who's behind everything going on. And there's this skepticism that has overtaken our world because there's things and people that we feel that are behind the scenes that we don't trust. And that's why God sends his son to say, you can see me. If you see the son, then you see the father. You're seeing my very nature, my very character. You see who I am. That's why he sent him. And, and by the way, that, that distrust goes on. And let me just say this uh, to us uh, as believers. Um, that same distrust exists amongst us. It, it, we, we get so much courage when we get behind keyboards. Okay? Talk to people like you're face-to-face, -face, please. And if there's something going on uh, online, get together face-to-face -face with somebody. That, that will certainly help and temper the conversation a bit, okay? Just for our health. That's just, just a quick aside. Because I don't want that, that uh, you can't see somebody, that disguise to breed distrust in us and amongst other believers in the family of God. But that's why God sent his son, Jesus. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Look to Jesus' life in order to know God's character. It's a very simple application. Look to Jesus' life in order to know God's character. 
I was told this a long time ago, and it's, it's obviously uh, stuck with me. But somebody told me a long time ago, if you, see, if you can't see God's heart, trust his hand. And, and, and I love that saying, and I think it's, it's very uh, applicable to us today. Uh, because there are many times where we have said, and I think uh, 2020 has been a time where we've all said, God, what in the world are you doing? I, I, don't, I don't understand your heart in these circumstances. And so I've, I've kind of used that phrase and I've thought uh, of a different way to think about that. And, and I've said this to myself lately. If you can't see what God's doing, look at what Jesus has done. If you can't see what God is doing, then look at what Jesus has done. Because what Jesus has done epitomizes God's heart for you. And so if you're confused and you're like, God, why are you putting me through this? Why am I experiencing this? I don't understand. I can't see you. I can't reach out to you. I can't feel you. I can't, I can't touch you. What you need to do is you need to go and you need to look at the life of Jesus and look at how Jesus walked amongst people. Look at what Jesus did when he came across people that had needs. He reached out, he touched them. He wanted to be close to those that no one else wanted to be close to. And in the season where we're isolated and disconnected, you need to know that God has done everything he could to draw close to you through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't miss his heart. Just because God is invisible doesn't mean that his son was. He made his son visible so that we could know who God is. It could shine the light on God's character. And so if you're struggling today, you feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel like you're going through a dark time, guess what? We've all been there. We've all gone through struggles, mental struggles, emotional struggles. I hope you understand God's heart as you see it played out through the life of Jesus. He's done everything to come to you. He wouldn't stop now. Okay, second. Jesus came to shine the light on God's purpose to save the world. Jesus came to shine the light on God's purpose to save the world. You know, it's, it's kind of funny when you think about why on earth, I, I've thought about this from every different angle because this is the title of the series, Why on Earth? Why on earth did Jesus come to this earth? And in thinking about all these different angles, you know, I was thinking, you know, why would he want to come, you know? And it, it made me think about things that I've done when, you know, you've just, if you've just been bored or, you know, so many people have picked up new hobbies during the pandemic. Have you noticed that? A lot of bread makers these days, a lot of bread makers, awesome, love bread. I am a carb guy. But it's just funny, the different hobbies, or many people have gotten COVID puppies. Have you heard this? COVID puppies, God bless you. Those will outlast the pandemic, okay? But some of these things we do or have done just because we're bored, just because we had free time, and we're like, what should I do? I'll get a puppy. Jesus didn't come to earth because he was bored. Jesus didn't come to earth because he needed a hobby, because he was looking for something fun to do. I don't think fun would make the top 10 adjectives of Jesus' life on earth. 
He came on a rescue mission for us. He came with a purpose. He was commissioned by the Father. That's what he tells us in verses 46 and 47. He says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. It tells us the purpose for which Jesus came. Now, I'll explain what it means since we're talking about Jesus in light, and he says, I come so that you no longer have to stay in the darkness. What does it mean to walk in the darkness? John, throughout this gospel and his epistles, uses darkness 10 times, and he always associates darkness with sin, always. So what he means by that when Jesus said, when I've come, I've come so that you no longer have to walk in darkness, he means he doesn't want you walking in sin. Why? Because sin leads to destruction and death. Sin will always destroy. I know it may seem fun at first, but it always leads to a dead end. God will never bless sin. That's why he doesn't want you to walk into it. It's not his best for your life. And so he's encouraging those to come out of darkness, to come away from sin. He wants them to walk in the light with him because he is light. And I love what he says there when he says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Because so often, I think many people think that Jesus is judgmental. And therefore, we as Christians, we take on that same caricature, that that same straw man. That, that we are judgmental. Jesus didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. That's the whole reason why he came. And just because Jesus tells you that you have a heart problem doesn't mean that he's judgmental. It means that he wants to save your life. I want you to think, think about this. Hopefully, you go for an annual physical If you don't go for an annual physical, go for an annual physical, okay? You should do that. It's the responsible thing to do, okay? So you go for the annual physical, and you're sitting down with your doctor, and he or she is reading off all, you know, your blood work, and they're checking you out, and they say, you know, hey, you know, you have high cholesterol, you know, or hey, you need to exercise some more, or hey, we might need to check this out again because these levels seem a little bit high, okay? How many of you have said, You're so judgmental. How many of you have responded that way? You know, because you didn't like what you heard. How many of you have said, that's your truth. That's not my truth. None of you. Nobody says that. Why? Because your doctor is trying to save your life. They're they're trying to help you live a better life. And so you go, okay, you might not like what you hear. I don't want to hear that I need to exercise more. I don't like exercise. Did you know that the treadmill was invented as a torture device? I'm I'm not kidding. If you go research that, it's 100% true. Now, again, so you might not like what you hear, but it's still true. You can argue with it, but there's no difference between the doctor's truth and your truth. It's true. 
and therefore you're good. You see, Jesus didn't come to be judgmental. He came to tell you the truth that you have a heart problem that you can't solve yourself. And he wants to save your life. He wants you to live a better life. And so as he points these things out to you, he wants you to walk in the light so that you no longer walk in the darkness. Because if you walk in the darkness, it never ends up going well for you. That's when you stub your toe. That's when you trip and fall. That's when you step on Legos and it hurts. It doesn't work out well when you try to walk in the darkness. That's why he's calling you to the light. So very simply, believe in Jesus who wants to save you and not condemn you. Believe in Jesus who wants to save you and not condemn you. You know, it's so funny to me when, I, when people think that we as Christians are judgmental because if anything, I think we are, are less than. Because if anybody is judgmental, it's the world. Think about all the advertisements that you see today, especially during Christmas season. It's telling you that you are not skinny enough, that you are not good looking enough, that you don't have a nice enough car, that you don't have enough friends, that you don't have enough fun. And if you would just buy their product, then you will be all of those things. Advertisements, by very nature, are judgmental. They're telling you you're not good enough. They just don't have a long-term solution. And that's why Jesus said, believe in me, because guess what? I'm good enough, and I created you exactly the way that I wanted you to, to be. So he's, came, he's come to save your life, he wants, you, he wants you to believe in him so that you wouldn't perish but have eternal life. That's why he came to you. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I love how uh, it says as we see especially so much chaos in our world these days and we've been praying and I pray, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, please. But it says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise of coming as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. You see, he's patient with you. As you go and you look for love in all the wrong places, he's coming to you and saying, would you believe in me? Believe that you are a sinner and you will never find enough satisfaction in that sin. In fact, you will experience death because of it. And I have come and I've given my life, Jesus is saying this, Jesus came to give his life for you to pay the penalty for your sin. And if you will place your trust in him and believe in him and accept his free gift of eternal life, then you walk out of the darkness and you begin to walk in the light with him. So believe in Jesus who wants to save you and not condemn you. And finally, Jesus came to shine the light on God's authority to judge the world. God has authority to judge the world and the world will be judged. It is coming. And Jesus talks about that and he, this is his final public statement before he goes in again to the upper room with his disciples. And he says in verses 48 to 50, he says, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. 
the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. You see, the world will be judged, and it will be judged according to the truth of God's word. This is what will judge you. This is his thing. He is not hiding the, the answers to the test. It's an open book test. You've got all the answers right here. This is what we will be judged by, his standard. And his standard is holiness. And the only one that can meet that standard is Jesus. And that's why he wants us to believe in him. You see, it's funny. We all believe that we'll be judged by our works. You will be judged by his word. Not by your works, but whether you believe in his son. See, God gave Jesus everything to say because he commissioned him. You will be held accountable for how you respond to what you've heard. And you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's why the plea is believe in him. You see, everything hangs on Jesus. And I put this in your sermon notes. Everything hangs on how you respond to him in his word. You see, you can believe or you cannot believe. I put this on your sermon notes. It's a screen for us. If you believe in Jesus, then you walk in the light. And see, behavior always follows belief. If you believe something, you will behave like you believe it. And then that will transform your life and you will end up with life and eternal life forever. But it all starts with your belief in Jesus as the son of God. But if you don't believe in him, then you walk in darkness. And that leads to ungodly behavior, which ultimately leads to condemnation and death or separation from God. Everything hinges on him. But he wishes that none would perish, but have eternal life. And so the call is very simple. Would you walk with Jesus in light of his promises? You see, I don't want you to be judged according to his word. I want you to be blessed according to his word. And God always blesses your belief and obedience to his word. Always. I've never seen it different. He will always bless your obedience to his word because that shows that you believe his word. So would you walk in his promises? First John chapter one, verse five and seven, as I told you I would mention, where it says God is light. This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship, key, with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. You see this? When you believe in Jesus, it follows that same decision tree. When you believe in Jesus, you behave like Jesus. You walk in the light. And it leads to transformation and life. That, that, see, it, it's not just when you believe in Jesus, you, he's cleansed you from your sins. Yes, you can be assured of that and praise God for that. But it also says that you will have fellowship with one another. See, in this time where we've been isolated 
in this time where we've experienced social distancing or physical distancing, whatever you wanna call it, we need fellowship with one another. Where does that start? In our common belief in Jesus. That's why we celebrated communion together today. It's our common belief in him because we need each other. Not only to to know that we have fellowship with one another and to experience the warmth of that fellowship, but to be held accountable to walk in the light. You see, if anybody begins to drift, I'll tell you where everyone always drifts. It's into darkness. No one drifts into light. You step into light. It's a definitive decision. You drift into darkness. And that's why we as a fellowship hold on to one another and we call each other to walk in the light and we've got to walk in the light together. Not only so that we can be assured that we have been cleansed of our sins in Jesus, but so that we can have fellowship with one another. See, the reason why Jesus came was to shine light. And light's a good thing. I know that when the light gets flipped on immediately, it kind of hurts your eyes and you flinch for a second. But folks, we can't live without light. And we can't live without Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the admonition that we can walk in the light with you. Lord God, I pray that we would make that definitive decision to step into the light with you, to maybe even believe for the very first time that Jesus, you are the son of God who paid for our sins. Or maybe just simply to step away from the darkness and to say that we're not gonna drift anymore. We're gonna step into the light with you and into fellowship with other believers. Lord, I don't want anybody to be sad this season. I want them to be glad because they know you. So Lord God, would you hear us? Would you answer us? Would you draw near to us now? We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.